Hi, I'm Mercedes. I'm an entrepreneur and director at Inc. And I'm Vera, a clinical psychologist and chief people officer at Abstracta. And this is The Everything Else, a podcast about soft skills for a meaningful life. This episode is sponsored by Inc. That's nice. So what's Inc? In a nutshell, Inc. teaches English to adults and specializes in corporate training. Check out their website at inc.com.uy. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Everything Else episode six, end of season episode. I'm Mercedes, mm -hmm. and I'm here with Vera. How are you, Vera? I'm great. So yeah, almost end of season, because we still have the bonus track. Yes. And what an adventure it's been. Mm. So in our last episode, we spoke about creativity, how it worked, how to encourage it in our personal lives and in our workplaces. And we felt that the materialization of creativity, like the next step, was a good way to close the season, right? And this materialization is innovation, right? It is. Well, innovation is one of the processes through which we put the creative idea, that spark we talked about, into action. And we make that idea happen with that. Uh -huh. Now, it's not the only materialization, right? Yeah. Creation is something... Like creating something creative is one way, but it doesn't necessarily imply innovation. Yeah, you can make like a really crappy craft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's creative, but not innovative. <laughs> At least not innovation that okay. it's worth talking about. <laughs> Now, every time there is innovation, it does start with creativity. Yeah. And that's the important thing. All right. But what is innovation exactly? Why is it relevant? I mean, why should we care about this and why... So many people are going on and on about what it is. This is this is what we're going to focus on yes. today, right? Because innovation is everywhere lately. It's one of those buzzwords that everyone throws around. Innovation leadership, innovation mindset. Everyone is talking about it. Maybe a bit too much? Maybe a bit too much, I'd say. <laughs> Should we all be innovating? Maybe not all of us are cut out for it. Mm. Like when the word disruption comes into place, for some it just gets too uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that is fine. Okay. Now, even if you're not interested in innovating yourself, it is important to understand why innovation and innovative mindset is so relevant and why it's an important part of life and business. Mm -hmm. So as you rightly pointed out, innovation is a process, right? Now, you guys on the other side may be asking yourselves, why are they talking about innovation if it's a process and not a soft skill? And you'd be right to think that we screwed up in our last episode, but <laughs> innovation is a process, but it sits on top of a number of soft skills that are usually taken for granted. So bear with us and we'll go back yes, to this at the end. do bear with us. <laughs> Please. Now... Let's take it from there. Innovation is a process. That's right. And for this episode, we picked Josefina Correa's brain, right? Josefina has a master's in biotechnology from Georgetown University. And she's passionate about science and innovation and works bridging that gap between academia, industry and government, right? And we thought that she could help us untangle some of these concepts related to innovation. Thanks, Jose. <laughs> so now, first off, she also agreed that the term innovation is a bit overused lately, right? Yes. And when talking to her, she said that she sees innovation innovation as a radical change, mm -hmm. a disruption or a paradigm shift. Okay. Now, 
To bring it down to earth a bit, we spoke about patents and some, as an example of materialization of innovation. Josefina pointed out that something has to, something, to be a disruption needs to be. What is it? For example, in the field of science, in the field as a, as a patent, patent, it requires novelty. Novelty. And it has to be something that other people couldn't achieve, though something that already exists. All right. That's a good definition. So disruptive, novel, and not Googleable. Exactly. Is that a verb? <laughs> it should be a Googleable. verb. All right. So as we were talking about this, I could see why this is, right? This has a lot to do with a race to own the next great idea. Yeah. There's intangible things yeah. that now people own. Yeah, what everyone's scrambling towards. Yeah. Now, it makes me think of what we talked about in our last episode, the one about creativity. I highly recommend listening to it because... What we see throughout history is that many of these great ideas, those aha moments that are generally thought of as moments of enlightenment of one individual person whose name we all remember, when we look twice, it wasn't so much like that. It was more of a collective moment where many ideas were preparing the field. Yeah, it's not from one day to the next, right? And it's often not a solo business, no. right? Now, great innovators. Uh, we wanted to think about what some good examples of innovators. And in doing so, we thought of the most extreme innovator. <laughs> we went through many. <laughs> and it's one that we all know, and that's nature, right? Evolution is an innovation. It sounds a bit outlandish, but give me a hand with this bit. Okay. It was okay. great in our minds. <laughs> well, if you think about it, evolution is filled with examples of innovation, like groundbreaking changes. I don't know, it just blows my mind thinking about evolution, but because nature is such a rich source of knowledge. Like, mm. each new species implies huge changes. Some could even consider as actually real changes in paradigms, like doing things in ways that have never been done before. Yeah, sometimes they're not as obvious, though, right? Like the many types of beetles, for example. But other times it's massive, mm. right? Yeah, like... If life only existed underwater, for example, and then breathing was done through gills, and then some explore breathing out of water, and this happens with mutations, lots of different attempts, right? These paradigm changes happen through time with small tweaks that ended up being huge, not from one day to the next, of yeah. course. But these innovations are mind-blowing. It's like really changing how things were done. Mm -hmm. Now, not all of them were successful, of course. Yeah. And all of these attempts are then put into perspective and see which one is more relevant through natural, natural selection. selection. Yeah. And if you think about it, evolutionary change is fueled by harsh situations, right? Like maybe they explored out of water because they were being chased by... Yeah. By a shark or something. We're not experts on the matter, as you yeah. can see. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is what I imagine. Ah, running out. Okay, that's how yeah. you it. Well, have you seen this film, uh, My Octopus Teacher, that's uh, on Netflix? Oh, that's why I got the idea. <laughs> <laughs> because it... Just watch it. Okay. okay. <laughs> that was from your story of how it kind of went out that I remembered. So... It's, it's fueled by these harsh situations, and it's not different to what happens in business, right? Like, we're all asleep until something like COVID comes around and forces us to it innovate. It shakes everything up. Exactly, right? And we have to evolve, because it's sort of an adapt-or-die situation, almost if, literally. Yeah, and if you think about it, this also relativizes... Relativizes? Yeah. Fail. I mean... Look at the huge fails in evolution and in Kat Van Gogh. I know it's not so easy when it's your own business or your own, <laughs> but anyway. But just like any other great innovators of our time, right? Mm -hmm. As Thomas Edison said, 
um, I didn't fail. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work, right? Yeah, <laughs> if innovation implies a paradigm shift, as we were saying, well, these have to be big. These are not things that happen. These, if they are to be big, they won't happen from one day to the next. Yeah. We need to be patient. Yeah, billions of years in the case of evolution. Well, maybe not so patient. <laughs> <laughs> let's hope your COVID evolution doesn't take that long. <laughs> yes, let, please, please, let's hope. Um, <laughs> Of course, on a human scale, we can't think of millions of years, right? Yeah. But let alone now, because we've grown used to so many immediate things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But paradigms coexist. And this happens for a while, actually. Like, maybe not billions of years, but they still coexist for a long time. These are long processes where the old paradigm seems obviously outdated in some areas, but in others, it prevails, sometimes very strongly, actually. Hmm. And I like that you mentioned that because we can see this right now in so many areas, right? I, I think in our first episode when we talked about time, we commented on this, right? How yeah. we were in the middle of a paradigm shift from money rich to time rich, right? And some people were in the new paradigm, the early adopters, let's say, mm -hmm. and others still continue to be in the old one. But, but wait, let's go. And some people want to be in both at the same time and that sometimes yeah, yeah. just doesn't happen. <laughs> That's when you have to go to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't work. Um, let's back up a bit uh, so we can explain a little more. Because you talked about disruption, but you talked about paradigm and paradigm shifts, right? Like paradigm changes. And those are big words that you throw <laughs> out. <laughs> Maybe we can explain what a paradigm is for those that are unsure. Okay, so a paradigm, to put it simply, is a system of beliefs and ideas. It is a fundamental way of understanding the world. Like a paradigm is a framework or a model with basic assumptions, what everybody who lives in a movement in history takes for granted and assumes as the truth. Good. The truth, right? <laughs> yes. So to go back to the time example that I just referenced, the assumption that the ultimate goal of working was to be money rich, even if it meant being time poor, right? That's that's like a paradigm. And we said that there seems to be a paradigm shift, right? This is a change where the dominant paradigm is questions. Uh, new theories that challenge the paradigm emerge. We start seeing people question it. And in the case of this particular example, people start to, for example, redefine success. Some companies start to do things differently and start giving um, away days off instead of bonuses, for example. People start to prioritize their personal goals and companies share in on that too. Mm -hmm. And slowly, these new paradigms that are at the, be at the beginning seem ridiculous, right? They become the norm. Exactly. And this is interesting because what was scoffed at at yeah. the beginning then becomes the norm eventually. And, and we've, we've all done that, right? Yeah, we've sure. all said like, oh, these hippies or whatever. And then ah, you're YouTube, the hippie. Who's going yeah. to use it? <laughs> <laughs> and the interesting thing is that this paradigm shift is expressed not only in business, but in different areas of life. Think the model of being money rich and it came from what is very much connected to time is money, yeah. right? And it all comes from all the way from modernity. It means a change in the way of thinking, in the way of organizing countries, in the way of producing, in the way people related to each other, yeah. the art, every area of knowledge. Like everything adds up in this disruption and becomes part of a process of the paradigm shift. Yeah. Now, probably we could say information technologies as a whole might be doing something similar. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. So this disruption that everyone's talking about, which is another overused buzzword, Disruption. By the way, I think we have to call this one innovation, the one about innovation and all the other buzzwords. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so this episode is full of them, right? So it's connected to this idea of challenging and questioning the prevailing paradigm. Like in the case of evolution that we spoke about, it has to be somebody saying, hey, it looks nice outside the water, right? <laughs> Maybe we can go out. Now, this seems to happen more frequently when the paradigm is eroding, when it has cracks, when the answers it provides, these truths that are setting, are not so convincing. Mm. When people or beings start doubting it. Right. Yeah, maybe it's not so nice to be eaten by sharks all the time. Yeah, <laughs> like, okay, what can I do? Can I Good. <laughs> uh, this all watch the, watch the documentary? Now, at the height of a paradigm's, let's say, popularity, it is very rare that people question it. Yeah. And even if they do, those innovative ideas don't have so much popularity, we could say. Yeah, well, this is like all the things that we've been talking about in this podcast, right? You kind of have to be open to seeing the anomalies and cracks in the prevailing paradigm. It's difficult. Yes, and moving sometimes. And many times you you don't want to see them or you can't see them and you sort of skip them altogether. And the cost of being innovative sometimes seems just too high, right? Too high. And there are examples. There are pl plenty of examples of that. Yeah. When, when we were talking about this, we could go for the stories of entrepreneurs who were ahead of their times. But innovation is not only in companies and products. So we wanted to consider innovations like Copernicus saying that we were not the center of the universe or Darwin's theory of evolution or Freud saying that we were governed by emotions and that we are not rational beings after all and we cannot control everything, right? Talk about innovation, right? <laughs> These are also innovative so, way of thinking, right? So going back to the cost of being innovative, right? The risk. These ideas were not popular when they came out. No, not really. And for example, Copernicus' theories weren't even made public until just before his death because he was afraid of what could happen. Mm. Darwin was very cautious on how he posed the theory and he did not push much into it, people. Mm -hmm. um, he was well aware that even what he was posting would be deeply profanity for many and even for some today. Yeah. And well, Freud, uh, he was not popular at the time. <laughs> Uh, he was quite controversial, really. He still is, I think. Yeah. So this goes back to what we mentioned when we talked about creativity. And it comes back again in innovation, right? It's not a matter of lack of ideas. There are a lot of ideas. The problem is sometimes with noticing the good ideas that are there and implementing them, right? Seeing and understanding the innovation. Uh, can, can we say that again? Seeing and understanding the innovation. What do yeah. you mean? Well, because... Sometimes you, you somebody presents it to you and you don't really get it. No. <laughs> right? Like, for example, even after the idea has been materialized, right? I, um, I remember clearly when somebody showed me, when a friend of mine showed me YouTube. Do you remember? Yes, I do. <laughs> I Not yours. I was very young. But... I was very young. I was like five now. <laughs> But I remember I, clearly. <laughs> but I remember, right, my, my friend Leju, he was like so excited about it. He was ecstatic and he came and he was like, this is a place where you can upload your own videos and it's visible for everywhere in the world. I was like, okay. And he was like, do, do you understand what this means? <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't have him in my life, but something very similar happened to me. Like... I didn't get it. Yeah, good. I mean, it seems like a good enough idea. I don't have a billion dollars, but if I had had a billion dollars, I would not have put it in there. I didn't see it as life-changing. Mm. And that's what I mean. Like, somebody comes with an idea even after it's materialized, and you're like, meh. <laughs> 
We need we need lettuce. We, we need your friend. We need lettuce. Mm. <laughs> so the point is that that no, if nobody gets it and you don't have that believer that we spoke about, someone open-minded enough to follow your line of questioning and thinking, yeah, what if, right? Then nothing happens. And we always need somebody to yes, believe in us. Yes. And this is such an issue that in fact when we spoke to our friend Josefina, she mentioned that she worked in innovation and saw herself as a trans later. Well, of course, you can imagine that we both loved what she said. Yeah. Because we are going to try to do some justice into how she said it. Yeah. Because innovation starts with creativity, but it doesn't end there, right? Mm -hmm. The ideas might be there, as you were saying, but if they are not connected to the needs or situations they might give an answer to, as it happens many times isolated in academia, mm. well, ideas alone don't do the trick, right? Yeah. There is a lot of translating needed, for example, between science and society, industry and government, mm. society and industry. Yeah. So that innovations are relevant and for this translation to happen we need to be very good in more than just one language yes lots of bridge building and lots. bridge crossing right because it's not just technical language is it it's uh, needs personal styles ways of working and and cultures cultures in the sense of Groups, functional groups, groups yeah, right? Functional groups, people. So it's just like in the case of Darwin that um, that you were mentioning. Also, being very careful how you put your idea forward seems very important. And mm -hmm. this takes us back to the importance of communication, right? Being good translators, like Josefina said. All right. So, what can we consider a paradigm shift today? Are all paradigm shifts so fundamental, right? Does it imply a big change? Are I mean, we all Freud? <laughs> Today, I think. <laughs> I mean, if a paradigm is nothing more than something that is normalized and taken for granted, then a paradigm shift, sorry, normalized is another buzzword. Mm. Um, so uh, the paradigm shift is another perspective on the same thing, right? Yeah, broadly speaking, we could say so. And that's why this is so linked to creativity. Now, I stopped, I paused because... <laughs> This is not exactly what Jose was talking to us about, uh -huh. right? Okay. Again, this is why sometimes the term is overused. Yes. Now, but let, let's stay in general terms. Like, okay. Broadly speaking, this is like that. Yes. It has a lot to do with seeing things from another point of view. Mm -hmm. Well, in fact, I read that the majority of innovative startups today were founded by immigrants which kind of exemplifies this notion of innovation as another point of view, right? Because also sometimes when you speak about innovation, it's always linked to technology or products or services. And I, I think it's really important to move a little step away from that. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think. Gain perspective. But because what paradigms, shift, uh, paradigms have been shifting lately? What are the innovations of our time? As you pointed out before, it's not just a groundbreaking product or service that you're thinking about. No, it's not just Uber and YouTube. There's innovation or paradigm shifts in the way that we work, in the concept of a company being a physical office, mm -hmm. for example, right? This is in, in COVID, right? In lockdown, huge paradigm shifts. There's um, shifts in gender roles and the perception even of gender and sexuality, the, the constitution of a family even, in the concept that um, the purpose of a company was just to make money. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's yeah. It seems old school now, but at some point it was ridiculous to not think about that. And we're seeing shifts... And people were saying it very proudly. Yes, yes. Well, 
some people are now saying it very proudly, right? Mm-hmm. You you come from a company where it's being said proudly, but not all companies mm-hmm. are, are like that, right? And we're seeing um, a shift, for example, in our relationship with nature, in that we used to think that uh, it was there to be exploited, right? Mm-hmm. The list is endless. I mean, making knowledge accessible, the concept of education in general, right? Making uh, so that it's not the memorization of information, there's innovation in all of these things. There's innovation everywhere, mm. right? That's why it's such a buzzword. Yes. Now, when you list them like that, it makes me think that there seems to be a change in how power structures are organized. Bear with me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big, big part. There's like a paradigm and sub-paradigms, like you said today, that trickle from that. We talked about modernity yeah. in the 17th century. Yes. Now we talk about the paradigm of complexity and this is because hierarchies are challenged we see that they don't work that much right so this paradigm of complexity in which we have been for quite a while actually Mm. and IT has a lot to do with it conceives reality as something rather complex as a system this is seen in systems in artificial ones but this comes from biology yeah right Um, so In these systems, one affects the other. We are all interconnected. Mm -hmm. Now, you might say that I'm a bit over-optimistic here or even naive, but at times I feel these movements that promote interrelation, interdependence can help us find the true solutions and to the challenges that we have ahead Mm -hmm. as a generation, right? These conceptions of interconnection are a more ecological mindset, very deep in its very essence because the whole is seen as more than the sum of its parts, hmm. whether it is in nature or in our teams. Yes. Because this is what happens everywhere, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But of course, the previous paradigm, modernity, as we were talking about, has been around for around us for quite a while. And this is deeply rooted still. Yeah. So we doubt... We are transitioning still. Yeah. Well, we continue to say that things are modern as if it's new, right? When in fact the <laughs> yes. modern era started in the 17th century and it, it, it's ended. It's ending. An understanding? <laughs> we don't know. Um, it should have been this thing. But now, understanding that we are transitioning and that some ideas that are still around but come from a very different paradigm, a previous paradigm that was originated in the 17th century, for example, is very powerful, I believe. Why? Don't you? Like we've said many times, just becoming aware is a step forward. Mm -hmm. It says if once we become aware of this, it makes it obvious how some of these ideas we've got are not the correct tools for what we want to tackle or need. Yeah. So once we see this, the glass is shattered and we can allow ourselves to think about things in ways that we could not conceive before. It's groundbreaking. It's liberating, I'd say. And it is, this is very therapeutic from my point of view, but it is a great and necessary step to change those tools for other ones that are a better fit. Yeah. And thinking about these concepts, I, I get the feeling that when we hear about innovation nowadays, that we talk about innovation and we're looking for big hits, right? Uber, Netflix, Tesla. But these ideas are, are certainly creative and they're new ways of looking at things and that their implementation does have repercussions in other areas and brings about changes, quite immediate ones, actually. But we don't really see them as part of this, right? And they are. 
they, they definitely are. Because they break ground in a way that is not expected, but they, they are widely adopted because they break ground that was more easy to be broken. I'm not saying they had it easy, right? Now, we've all heard the story of Reed Hastings going to Blockbuster to offer Netflix and being turned down, or yeah. Steve Wozniak going to Hewlett Packard with his new invention and being turned down on several occasions. This is true. This happened because the old paradigm did not see these innovations coming. Yeah. And this is exactly where the opportunity came, right? These people could have said, nah, this won't work. They said no. But they stuck to it, right? And they were convinced and insisted. So they questioned the status quo. And this is where critical thinking comes in. And that, my friend, is a soft skill. Such an important one, may I add? <laughs> so let's stop there for a second. Another buzzword, critical thinking. Um, it's thrown around a lot by many at this time, and some may think that it's a new concept. But actually, it's been around for a while. Right, Veda? Feel free to jump in if you have any Greeks to back this up. <laughs> I have very modern people. I have the card for this. Okay. He, he uh, the card who he laid ground to much of what we take for granted nowadays. Actually, you're probably familiar with this phrase. I think, think therefore. therefore I am. This guy questioned everything to the point where he doubted his own existence. Mm. He is one of the most extreme critical thinkers of all times. So yeah, it might be a buzzword now but it's not new. And his story, like the one of Spinoza, demonstrate once again that challenging the status quo can be difficult and can have a high cost to one's lives or even be a risky business, you know? Mm. Now, thinking critically is very different from criticizing. <laughs> and I can't stress this enough. It has nothing to do with criticizing, right? So basically, critical thinking is the ability to engage in reflective and independent, and I think this is the key word, thinking, right? Think Descartes. Yeah. Not just being a passive receiver of information, but actually using your reason to process this information as objectively as possible, right? This sounds familiar, I think. We, we may have mentioned this before, yeah, right? Probably. To think critically, we have to be aware of our biases and we have to question ideas and assumptions and be open to new answers while we ask those questions. Sure. But our critical thinking abilities vary, right, according to our mindset. Okay. So, for example, because we're not such rational beings, when our, when our emotions are strong and they are playing, like passion, anger, fear, that generates noise. And this is the noise we're yeah. always talking about, right? This comes into play and hinders our critical thinking ability. So, bear that in mind. Yeah, this is something that we have to train, yes. possibly. So, but, Work in progress. <laughs> but the more we know ourselves and are aware of our biases, strengths and weaknesses, right? the more we will be able to think critically. Self-awareness. Good old know thyself. Yeah. There's a Greek for you. <laughs> and being in touch with our inner world. Now, self-care, as it is called now, yeah. or at least much of what is called self-care involves this. Yes. These things are hugely important. So the quality of our thoughts very much determine our well-being, right? Yeah. See, since we think so much, a lot of our quality of life goes hand in hand with the quality of our thoughts. 
We had a phrase for this, right? <laughs> yes. Let's say the, the everything else style. <laughs> meh thinking leads to meh lives. <laughs> yeah. And this is where you might be thinking, but this is for my personal life and not for my professional life. As if you had two lives, people, but we don't. We don't. <laughs> We're not two people. No. And going back to critical thinking, Peter Drucker, he's not a Greek, but anyone who is remotely interested in management has heard the man's name. Yeah. Now, he said... The most powerful source of mistakes in management decisions is the focus on finding the right answer rather than the right question. Yeah. This implies that promoting and accepting this mindset in the workplace can also be profoundly beneficial, right? Yeah. Listen and, to him. Yes. And Ratan Tata, right? President and chairman of Tata Group. He says, question the unquestionable, right? Challenge the assumptions. You know, yeah. I like my Pinterest quote. That is more Pinterest quote. <laughs> now, well, Peter, Drew, the same Peter Drucker <laughs> was a little bit Pinteresty for you, yes. but okay, I'm going to accept it. Go on. <laughs> Now, can we talk about failing? Because also that's a big buzzword. Yeah, well, we talked about fails in evolution and Thomas Edison, right? And I, I feel the ability to persevere is also essential in innovation. I think perseverance, personally, right, um, is one of the keys of life, to be honest. But I've been told I'm a little stubborn, <laughs> so maybe I'm not the right person for this. But it makes so much sense, actually, because being stubborn, probably, they didn't say this as a compliment, right? No, okay. no, no. <laughs> uh, But personal characteristics are neither good nor bad. They are that. They're personal characteristics. But depending on the context, they can be two sides of the same coin, let's say. Right. That stubbornness when facing a problem at work, let's say, let's talk about work, right? Okay. Can turn into perseverance and even resilience. Right. Resilience. Another buzzword. <laughs> so about failing, just to clarify, this is very important to me personally to say, accepting failure as part of the process does not imply indifference. Yeah. It's quite the opposite, actually. It doesn't leave room for apathy. It calls for us to care, to try our best. Yeah, passion. Yeah. So we've To wake up. <laughs> Get a slap in the face. Feel alive. All right. Okay. Okay, okay. okay. I'm going to <laughs> All right. So we've covered the question of what innovation is, right? But what is it for? What drives innovation? A question or something that you want to solve? Mm, may I go a bit further? Go on. A need. Okay. And this is where creativity and innovation also go hand in hand. Right. So the seed that is needed is to have a need. I guess that puts a nail in the concept of if it ain't broke, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Well, it depends on how you define broken. Some, some things don't seem to be working wrong, but if you look twice, you could see that the process, for example, or certain aspects of how you do things could be improved. No, software development has a lot to share about about these things of in continuous improvement. Mm. Um, but in fact, many of those big innovations that we all think nowadays come from that industry. So yeah. at least that's the main perception, right? I think technology is a part of our evolution, but innovation, as we mentioned before, and I can't stress this enough, me personally, right? It's not just new products or the latest computer gadget or the chip that turns us into cyborgs. <laughs> no. right? <laughs> Because innovation, after all, is this process through which we change the world. Wow. 
Yes, I'm very intense today. I'm Good, sorry. <laughs> but it's lovely. <laughs> However, that may be, right? Whatever it is that you imagine changing the world to be, yeah. and hopefully this could be done in a meaningful way, looking for the change we want to see in the world. Now, this implies an ongoing analysis and search for better ways of taking action, of doing things, whatever it is. Yeah. It can be cooking. It can be solving everyday situations. Mm. Now, this mindset, though maybe it's normalized in some areas, like in IT, people assume that they use it a lot. Yeah. This is this attitude is key to the innovative attitude. Yeah. Can we say that innovation then is a mindset? Like we can learn about the processes, right? Like lean methodology or design thinking that we'll talk a little bit about in our in our bonus track. But everything else that we've talked about here that is inherent to innovation is not something that we can learn overnight, right? It's about honing skills like creativity, communication, critical thinking, resilience. Yes. <laughs> and I think here we, we have something to talk about because I'd go as far as saying that all soft skills are called skills, but they build up into a mindset, into a mm. worldview. And as such, it is essential to cultivate them. I love that. Part of this self-care, that is uh, talked about. It is taking care of our glasses through which we see the world, to give ourselves time to question, to ponder about these ideas, to ask for help if necessary, and not take them lightly as a skill or as a recipe. These are hard things to master. Yeah, and and also like if those are the glasses that you want to wear, right? Like I yes. always thought, if these are the tools that we yeah. need. Yeah, I've changed glasses a couple of times. <laughs> so we've said it countless times, right? There's no shortcut in this. No. We have to make time for soft skills because they improve our quality of life. And that's why we're not ending this here. Yes. And we're coming back for a second season. Yes, well said. I wanted to answer the two questions that we always ask, right? Why is this important for me and why is it important to business owners? But we're running short of time and I think we can go back to our nature metaphor that provides the best answer for both, don't you think? Adapt or die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Change is part of life and business. Uh, everything changes, changes everywhere and it's happening all the time. Remember, natural selection is not the survival of the strongest. It's the survival of the fittest and that is the one that adapts better. Because after all, you know, intelligence can be defined as the ability to adapt. Yeah. So yeah, innovating to adapt is the best possible way and seems the intelligent thing to do. <laughs> all right. It's a good summary. I think it fits the occasion. Um, <laughs> but we are sending homework, right? I'm sorry, yeah. guys. There's no skipping the homework in the, no. last, in the last episode. We might rethink it for, for the second <laughs> season. Not, not for this one. <laughs> so we talked in depth about paradigm shifts, critical thinking, and the importance of questioning the status quo for innovation. So homework is follow is the following. Go on. For the next week, take 15 minutes every day to write down some questions that challenge the status quo in your business. If you don't want to do it about your business, think about a personal situation you're in and consider what the status quo is and question it. And if you don't know what status <laughs> quo is, Google it. <laughs> all right, we're set and all amped up to go and change the world, however that might be, right? Yes. So guys, stay tuned on the other side. And uh, next week we'll uh, in the bonus track, we'll be walking away from the philosophy and getting practical, looking at tips for innovation and we'll have uh, guest tips, right? Yes. 
Josefina, whose brain we picked this week, will be helping out with more tips for innovation as well. And well, that's our last episode. So please don't miss out. Don't miss out. Thank you. Bye. If you liked what you heard, please share it and follow so that more people find us. We are the Everything Else Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts from.